1: Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and
2: politics
0: colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights.
1: I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA.
2: The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018.
3: President Trump was sent here to smash conventional
2: norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won.
0: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7. FM HD
1: 2 Happy Fat Tuesday, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm here live in Charleston, South Carolina. I love it here. The food, I'm telling you, great food. But we're not here to eat our way through the campaign trail. We are here because it is the Democratic presidential debate, and you can listen to it live right here on Bloomberg Radio. Our coverage starts right now, but also at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And The stakes have never been higher for virtually every candidate. It's the first time on the stage for Senator Bernie Sanders since he's won the Nevada caucus. And a lot of attention is going to be on him and whether or not he is ready to be the standard bearer of the party. And don't forget about former Vice President Joe Biden. So we're going to get into all of that. Plus, the president traveling abroad to India. Our Bloomberg reporters are on the ground, and they've got complete coverage of that as well. And he took a press conference today in India. With, uh, well, he had a lot to say, so we're going to talk about that, the coronavirus. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And my two guests, my two political all-stars just walked into the spin room where we are broadcasting today in Charleston, South Carolina, for the Democratic presidential debate. Richard Fowler and Adam Green. Hi, Richard. Hello, hello, hello. Democratic insider.
2: I guess that's the title, right?
1: And Adam Green, (laughs) war and world insider. I think your mic's off. Good to be here. Is the mic off?
3: Good to be here and good thrilled to be, be on here. with Richard.
1: <laughs> now now it is We're south actually south. good
2: friends. Are you guys real really friends in real life?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So we're in Bailey Bolden's neck of the woods. I have to give her a shout out because she is a South Carolinian and has been giving me food recommendations, and she is a colleague of mine at Bloomberg. So we're in Bailey Bolden's neck of the woods, Richard. And
2: before we get to the food, I, I mean, before we get to the debate, I must say the food in Charleston, South Carolina this is the is best amazing. in the world. Like I haven't well, had a bad meal in a day. Not America as good as silly.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it's <laughs> if I had hush puppies. I've had shrimp and grits. I mean, it's just been. I just don't want to go home.
3: Magnolias. That's the place to yes. be. Apparently,
1: yes. And I had. I had a waffle today for Fat Tuesday. Enough Did about you? the food, but I got to tell you, it's the best. While <laughs> I was eating hush puppies, I was thinking about the debate, Adam. Mm-hmm. And is Elizabeth Warren going to come out swinging in the first five minutes again? I mean, she was. I felt like I was watching a Senate Banking Committee hearing last week in Las Vegas.
3: Yeah, that that was the Elizabeth Warren that people know and love. That's who they know, that's the or they, they know. loathe,
1: or they love. But they seriously, they love
3: her. and the bankers loathe. Uh, you know, the strong fighter, the, the person who names villains, challenge, challenges power. And the beautiful thing about having Bloomberg right there next to her was he is like the walking personification of her core message, right? Like a billionaire, kind of a walking corporation who also happens to be wrong on race and gender. And she knocked it out of the ballpark. I think it was consensus afterwards. It was weird being in the spin room afterwards because you can't really spin – the fact that she just crushed it. Everybody agreed. Right? Well, <laughs> can
1: she do it again? And and is, does she have any, I, I say this respectfully, I mean, she's in the polls. If you look at Super Tuesday stage, she's got she's to gotta win. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Not just her, all the other candidates yeah. as well. Uh, the,
3: there's no bigger priority for any candidate than entering Super Tuesday with momentum. And that's why last agreed. debate and this debate is so important. What we did see in Nevada is that, you yeah. know, there's a perfect compare and contrast. All the early voting, which was pre-debate. Uh, came in way less for her than after voting. There were some precincts where she got 10% early vote before the debate, 30%, 35% post-debate. So she does need a repeat performance, but I think she's very capable of it.
1: All right. I, I was struck by uh, seeing how she really came out as an attack dog, so to speak, the political attack dog. That's the term that they always use, you insiders use. Uh, and just as a disclaimer, Michael Bloomberg, who's seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg Radio. Richard Fowler, the stakes have never been higher. You know, did you know that, Richard? I didn't I know had that. I no
2: idea. <sighs>
1: <laughs> Richard Fowler, the stakes have never been higher for Bernie Sanders.
2: Yes, the stakes. All are ma- eyes on Bernie. All eyes on Bernie. And I think uh, if, uh, if they say that the last debate was a bit of a firestorm, this is going to be a bloodbath um, when it comes to the fighting. And, and you know, here's the thing. We've got
1: to get new political cliches. We
2: do. I think we need to have, I've like, already
1: done, you know, the stakes have never been higher. We should have
2: a plan for that, Adam. Um, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Look, I think all the candidates are sort of going to be gunning for him tonight because he is the quote-unquote frontrunner. And I say quote-unquote because there's only been two states that have actually voted. Three. Three, excuse me. Uh, he's the front Yeah, he's the Excuse me. You need 1,991 delegates, and there's only been a, less than a hundred distributed. Yeah. So, like Richard does dispute New Hampshire statehood, by the way. So, <laughs> <It's not> a, <laughs> I dispute Gosh. the diversity of New Hampshire statehood. But Go ahead, that, Richard. Uh, Stay focused. But more of the story here. I think that you know it's going to be. A, it's, he's going to have a. He's, we're going to have to see if he is the front runner. Can he take the attacks coming from the left and attacks coming from?
1: He's been waiting for this moment for his entire career. He, has he not? I, I I would be struck if Sanders collapses on the stage tonight. I, I Just in covering him for more than 10 years, I I, I would be struck. I if, wouldn't be. Really?
2: I think he's going to have to finally answer some tough questions about his but record. But he's, been about, he's, well, have he's to,
1: had that for months. He's yeah, had, but he's going to have to answer
2: questions. questions about the fact that he's been in the Senate for a number of years and past for barely anything i mean there's going to be a lot of questions that bernie's going to have to answer he's been in the senate making these same arguments on medicare for all making these same arguments and he hasn't really passed well any let bills. me let me
1: <laughs> ask a follow-up on this because i don't buy the note i mean look i hear that criticism but my follow-up question whenever i hear that criticism is the democratic party is talking about medicare for all is talking about uh health care in a way that elizabeth warren and bernie sanders have been talking about for quite some time i mean progress is hard if if you if you believe that that's progress but it takes time does it not i mean do you, do you, I, I think it's indisputable that Bernie Sanders has had at least some type of an effect on the Democratic Party, at least in the terms of the issues that they're Absolutely. talking about.
3: Absolutely, I mean he deserves full credit for moving Medicare for all, free tuition into the center of the public debate. Just like Elizabeth Warren deserves credit for things like many Wall Street and you reforms, might disagree with expand it. Expand but... social security, universal child care, breaking up big tech monopolies. The question is, once it's in the middle of the mainstream, can you actually get something done? And that's where I think tonight she will have a unique role vis-a-vis Sanders. Others like Pete might attack him from the right. Joe Biden at times has weirdly attacked him from the left on issues like guns. Elizabeth Warren can make a pretty fair effectiveness argument. It's like, wow. well, even if you agree with me
2: and Bernie on issues, I'm the one who knows how to push and pull the levers of power. I can get it done. All right, and Elizabeth Warren's have- going to have to do that. She's going to have to make a clear contrast between herself and Bernie tonight. If there's a one debate that she has to do it, it has to be this one.
1: All right, Joe Biden. I mean, his, the, the he has to have a good have, performance. He's got to have a great performance.
2: He's got to have a great performance. His, the, I, the, the Biden campaign will tell you over and over again that South Carolina is where they need to win. They'll tell you they have more and they've had more endorsements than any other elected official. Right. They will tell you that, they've been, they, that the vice president's been prepping for this debate and he's going to have to show it tonight. He's going to, have to show it into, he's going to show it in a major way and he's going to have to win big. I have some inside knowledge about how he's preparing tonight just to get himself motivated. He's been listening to a record player all night.
1: Um, he's a big fan of rap Quor, oh, Quor, Adam. Uh, Adam pop, the rapper. Adam. Why is Adam I, I don't know which Adam Green I'm ever going to get on this show And now I know which one I got on tonight's show Is keeping me on edge <laughs> um, In the In the minute that we have left But seriously on Joe Biden Richard I mean I was talking with some folks over in that uh, Political orbit and I mean The expectation is that he wins South Carolina And not just that he wins but that he wins big And so if he doesn't that would be a devastating—I mean, I the poll suggested he will, but if he weren't to win that this weekend— That would probably be
2: the end of the Biden campaign.
1: Wow. <laughs> would you agree, Adam? Sounds about right. All right. Coming up, much more policy and politics. Adam Green's going to stick around as— is Richard Fowler uh, two political all stars? You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And just a friendly reminder: you can listen to the entire Democratic presidential debate right here on Bloomberg Radio. We're going to kick off a pre-show from live inside of the debate spin room floor at 7:30 p.m. Eastern, and we'll have post-show analysis. at As well, my name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
0: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
1: What did you make
0: of Sanders' comment on Sunday about the virtues of Castro's communist Cuba? I thought, when I heard that, I shivered. That reinforced the fear that South Carolinians have about his so-called democratic socialism.
1: That was Congressman James Clyburn, the Democrat from South Carolina, who is poised to endorse former Vice President Joe Biden tomorrow. He was speaking, of course, to a reporter earlier today uh, about Senator Bernie Sanders' comments on Fidel Castro that he made over the weekend of 60 Minutes. I'm Kevin Cerilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm broadcasting live from Charleston, South Carolina, ahead of tonight's Democratic presidential debate. Richard Fowler's here. He's a Democratic insider all over Fox News. We always see Richard on the Fox News. And Adam Green, who is a progressive insider and very up to speed. I mean, I say this in your intro, but I, but I often, I, I don't think it, I, it bears enough repeating of how connected you are to the progressive movement and circles yes to bernie sanders but obviously your organization has backed senator elizabeth warren uh but i you're very uh, you're seen as a connector adam uh in progressive circles so thank you i will disagree with you because no but i but i but i I, we keep having you on the program and i and i think it's important that people understand why is because you are are seen as that. Yeah, so it's, what, we're mean, appreciative of your of your time when you make time for us.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I don't really consider myself a pundit as much as an organizer. Yeah, right? I, I don't consider you a pundit or, either. You know, yeah. what infrastructure is is years of building and partnering. So we work with AOC, we work with Bernie, yeah. we work with Warren, and there's many, you know, stories from the trenches and kind of perspectives from the machine. trenches that we have.
1: I mean, I I mean I know you wouldn't use that word, but in just in covering its rise over the last decade uh, in a similar way to how uh, you've really mobilized the the progressive flank, and we've seen the effect that it's had not just on the candidates but also on the policy. And whether you agree with it or not, it's definitely had an impact. All right, so I want to pick up on this Castro thing now that we've now that we've done the introductions, Adam. This Castro comment that Sanders made, and you hear Clyburn saying this is what makes him shiver as it relates to nominating a democratic president, a, a democratic socialist. I mean, what did you make of the of the Castro comment for Bernie Sanders? From Bernie Sanders.
3: Well, first, I think everybody's just thrilled that we have Julian Castro's endorsement okay. of Elizabeth Warren. That's been a big
2: boon <laughs> to the campaign. Yeah, that was a good spin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the spin room live. Uh, just as so, I so,
3: talked so, about how good of a spinster he is, go ahead. So, there are many issues out there where, if Sanders wasn't was a nominee, folks like me would go to bat ferociously to defend him. And the question is, but do we want to have to? Right. And what we're already seeing early stuff. <laughs> do you? Right. Right. So I mean. The Republicans are already talking about things like, his, I don't know, his honeymoon in Moscow and stuff like that. It's like, we'll defend it. It's a stupid argument. People care about health care. We'd rather not have to defend that. And I think this fits in that category. right? And unfortunately, tonight on the debate stage, every candidate is going to have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but
1: Florida. Yeah. In Florida, that's yeah. that's really going to be, yeah. you know, I think it's the perfect illustration of, you know, Cuba. Yeah. Communism. Yeah. Do Democrats
3: I, want to stand for that? I, I think it fits into a larger critique by the Warren wing of Sanders, which is effectiveness, right? She, he, Elizabeth Warren proved in the last debate that she does not throw punches wildly. She had a, an opportunity to pile on to Amy Klobuchar, and said she defended her and said, you know what, she forgot a name, so what? Now, I'll talk to her about health care, but let's not just pile on to everything. Bernie Sanders, you know, Decided yesterday or two days ago to talk about Cuba, right? He he just talks about anything, throws punches at anything. Again, we'll defend it if we have to, but I think Elizabeth Warren is much more strategic and effective.
2: I mean, I, I hear that, and I think the problem. I mean, this is one of the things. Like I, I'm an undecided Democrat here, but I think one of the problems with the Bernie Sanders candidacy is defending when you know Florida is a bit. Florida matters, right? In this in this upcoming election, to talk to, you know, Cuban voters in in Miami, in Miami-Dade County, or Broward County, or Palm Beach County, for that matter. Saying things like defending Fidel Castro, that's a very hard position for Democrats to defend.
1: This is the heart of the matter that Democrats are grappling with tonight in Charleston, South Carolina. Can you take democratic socialism
2: and sell it to the American people? That's really what this argument is about, is it not? Uh, I think it's beyond selling democratic socialism because I don't, I, I, I mean, I see Bernie for the policy solutions, and I'm wait, okay wait, with that. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I just got back from a, uh, from covering Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in Latin America, where I saw Juan Guaido in Colombia, standing with the president with with the president of Colombia, as well as with the Secretary of State Juan Guaido, who had fled Venezuela from dictator Maduro, and so the Maduro regime is being propped up by Cuba, the Maduro regime is being propped up by Russia, and so this. It's, it, this is an illustration. I mean, those comments on 60 Minutes. Yes, it's a viral moment, but this is literally going to be the foreign policy fight in a general election between if Sanders is the nominee and and the Trump administration. Well, is, I think
2: that's the argument that Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo want you to believe, but I think that's far from the truth of where Bernie Sanders about is about
1: if America stands. No, for no, 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 or, I, no, no. no. Or, I think what you've, I heard,
2: what you've heard from the <laughs> what you've heard from the White House is. Bernie is a socialist, and the Democratic Party is socialist, and they give you, they paint you pictures like we're all Juan Guaido, and I don't think that's that's very far from the truth. What well, Bernie Sanders, just like Joe Biden, just like Elizabeth Warren, they're all arguing for the same thing: high quality public schools, access to access to health care. I hear you on um, that, but but, but, um, but on Cuba, tr- a, a, a ballooning one point trillion dollars. I want no I want to stick
1: on Cuba because I, I want to get Adam's take here because truthfully, when Angela Merkel's backing Juan Guaido, Angela Merkel's no conservative. I mean, take this into a general election. I mean, I hear you about your point. Would Democrats want to have this debate on foreign policy in America's literally miles away from Florida shore? Is that the type of debate they want to have in a general election?
3: It's not our best foot forward if we're trying to take on Trump. We want to take on corruption. We want to take on economics. But again, I really wanted to hit, hit this effectiveness point. You brought up Democratic Socialism. You know, Bernie gave a speech at George Washington University several months ago yep. defining. Go colonials. Go colonials, <laughs>
2: <that's>
1: right? <laughs> uh, go buff and blue. So. Nittany Lion. Ly- this is his, a Nittany Lions show. Go ahead. Hey, congrats th- to the kids at Penn State for all the money they raised for Thon. Go ahead. So, his
3: main point was hey, if you want to think about democratic socialism, think about Social Security. Think about Medicare, which is actually a very strategic move on his part, redefining it as that. It's actually not that helpful from the democratic perspective. Why take the two best brands in government, Social Security and Medicare, and rebrand them as democratic socialism, right? Again, if we have to defend it, we will. If he's going to talk about it as Social Security, that's our best foot forward in the general. But we'd rather just run on Social Security, Medicare, anti-corruption, other popular
1: issues. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about the coronavirus. We didn't get to the plurality issue and how many delegates some a nominee would have to win. But we'll get to that coming up when we talk about what's on the panel's radar. You don't want to miss this because, truthfully, the White House is out in full force today talking about the coronavirus, as was President Trump in India. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington and correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Adam Green's going to stay. Richard Fowler's going to stay. Go Colonials for uh, for uh, Richard Fowler. And I'll stick around too. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. one.
0: This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Charleston, South Carolina, on Bloomberg Radio.
1: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and we are in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm joined by Adam Green. Hello, Adam. Hello. Richard Fowler. Hello, hello. Favorite spot so far on the campaign trail this cycle? I, I have fun everywhere I go. I will say Charleston South Carolina holds a special place in my heart.
2: Yeah the food because of the food this because is of top of top of my list It's better than Des Moines, Iowa.
1: Yeah I love Des Moines because there's a great steakhouse there one. I uh, I liked it. It's called Steakhouse. It's 801 Steakhouse. Um, You know, I actually
3: enjoyed joining the Elizabeth Warren um, tour of the South, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. Telling you the South has the best food. Best food. She did a town hall meeting at a historically black uh, college. It was the first time she was in front of a diverse audience having campaigned in Iowa and New Hampshire. And it was electric. electric I don't
1: care about the crowd. Did you have the po' boy?
3: Oh, I had whatever their veggie salad was nearby.
1: Oh, that's right. You're a vegetarian. uh Yeah, no, I could never do that. Anyway, okay, so we're I just going want to, to give a
3: shout-out to Beyond Burger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, let's talk about the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, big developments here, and that's where we're going to turn our attention. The U.S. stocks plunged again. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal. As investors contemplated the possibility of an American coronavirus outbreak, the S&P 500 four-day route reached 7.6%. Guys, that's the worst such slump since December 2018. Treasury's gained with 10-year yields hitting a record low of 1.3055% as Wall Street increasingly bet that the Fed actually might have to cut rates to combat the outbreak. I mean, so wow, blink and you'll miss it. Now the central bank, according to Wall Street, now baking this in, is weighing whether or not the central bank is going to have to step in and, and cut rates as it relates to the, the coronavirus. Meanwhile, I, I do want to check in with the Center for Disease Control because... They have now told Americans to start preparing for the virus to hit home as well as to disrupt daily life as it has elsewhere, with one official saying, quote, this might be bad. So all of that comes as the administration and the U.S. government has been working with China and General Secretary Xi Jinping and China, and Congress is weighing... Uh, uh, at least 1000000000 billion, we're hearing potentially $2 billion worth of a package that could get done. So let's start with Larry Kudlow, the president's top economic advisor, who was speaking earlier today. I believe it was on CNBC. Yes. Uh, and he was asked about the coronavirus. And take a listen to what the White House director of the National Economic Council had to say. Here he is.
0: Our experts are hard at it. And they're planning for all eventualities, possible emergencies. That doesn't mean it'll go into place. But we're ahead of the curve. That's the point I want to... We are ahead of the curve.
1: Larry Kudlow says that the administration is ahead of the curve. And the Center for Disease Control is saying, brace yourselves because we're about to hit impact. Uh, I want to get into the politics of this in a second. But first, I want to get into what you are hearing from Democrats on Capitol Hill, Richard, as to the likelihood of there being an aid package to combat this, because typically these, these have always been bipartisan, nonpartisan types of packages, and it looks like that could be... The case as well for this time.
2: Yeah, I spent some time today with members of the Congressional Black Caucus who are all here for this debate, uh, and they seem to feel that you know they're willing to they're willing to uh, entertain a package from this White House. They just seem that all the the package that has come from the White House is uns, is insufficient, right? Um, when the Ebola crisis happened, the White the Obama White House sort of pledged eight billion dollars to deal with the crisis, and it was not as big as this. Um, and to say that only two point five billion is what the, which is what the White House the White House number is seems to be a little bit low. Given the fact that what we've seen over every year of this of this White House, we've seen cuts to HHS, we've seen cuts to all of the infrastructure necessary to deal with an outbreak like this. So the 2.5 billion would go into go into place in a world where we don't have the necessary infrastructure at FEMA or at HHS to handle what could be something, as the CDC described it, that could be a, could spread like the flu. Uh, and, and I think also, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that, it seems what Larry Kudlow is saying, to calm the markets, seems to be the opposite of what, of what you're hearing from the CDC.
1: Well, I I think, no, I mean, do you agree with that, Adam?
2: Yep. I do agree with that.
3: <laughs> I, yeah, I think Democrats' starting point will just be pointing out the obvious, which is Trump keeps proposing budget cuts to emergency Funding and actually has withdrawn some of it for his border wall. So I mean, it's tough to have an intelligent conversation about 2.5 billion or 8 billion when, the, when Trump is going in the opposite direction and pulling money. Right. That's the starting point. But can we transition to the politics on the debate stage? Not yet. In a minute. We will. We okay. will.
1: We spent two segments on that. <laughs> okay. This is important just because the markets have, have, for the past month have been just been
2: and I think one, re- and re- think one of the and I think one of the reasons why there's volatility in the market is because a lot of traders are saying maybe this president is ill-equipped to handle this type of disaster.
1: I want to push back politely because I think it also just shows around the world. I mean, right now, this is not an American outbreak yet. I mean, this has been spreading uh, in China as well as to Iran. It's disrupted air traffic control. It's disrupted uh, trade, goods and services, tourism and whatnot. Uh, and and talk to anyone up on the street, and they say that uh, pandemics are the one issue that any president would grapple with just because of its impact on so uh, many different. Kevin, I industries. get that. Yeah.
2: I, get, I get that. I think what we what we were used what we're used to seeing from a United States president, right, the leader of the free world, is when this is when this is when their power is actually at its best, and right? We're going to find out, and where yeah. it's at its finest because this is when they lead world co- global coalitions and say, okay, how do we? Get this. How do we get to this virus? How do we tackle it? How do we bring world leaders together? This is not China, where this president has a good track well, record. Well, I
1: hear what you're saying. I mean, well, I, well, that's what you're saying. You're 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 laying the foundation for likely where this debate's going to go. What I'm trying to pull us back from is, I don't think we're at that debate yet because I don't want to scare anybody. Be? But because because we haven't had a because when the CDC saying there could be a disruption Whoa. of daily. Hold on. When the CDC saying that there could be a disruption of daily life, I mean, we're not there yet. So I want to make sure that we're caught that we're being cautious and not just rushing to out to outrage. On you know the I mean?
3: he, on the health side of the ledger. Yes. yes. You mentioned supply chains. Yes. Right? And Elizabeth Warren actually talked about this today that this is actually showing many Americans how much our businesses in this country, our supply chains are dependent on China. And she yes. has talked in this in this campaign about economic patriotism, right? We need to have our own supply chains. We need to create jobs in this country. And, you know, do it in a smart economic way. So but, that's interesting. Yeah. So, th- so there's a health part of this. But it, but small businesses, some bigger businesses actually are getting crushed by the fact that we can't get stuff from China so right
1: now. So I would be – this is the nerd in me. And I'm going to put on my – I'm biased for dorks and nerds because, as, as everyone knows, I am one. And I've been waiting for there to be a robust conversation about amongst the Democratic candidates on how they would handle China. And if the coronavirus, unfortunately, is going to be the way into it, then maybe at tonight's Democratic presidential debate we'll hear about supply chains and hear how people will, would would negotiate with Xi Jinping, uh, and 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 what that impact would be. I do just want to close this because there were other developments, and I do want to play it from Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer as it relates to the likelihood of that two point five billion dollar package getting out of Congress. A lot of folks, that impacts a lot of folks from a yeah, from a, round, from a health perspective, but also from a employment perspective inside of the beltway. So let's take a listen to Chuck Schumer.
0: The administration has no plan to deal with the coronavirus. No plan. And seemingly no urgency to develop one.
1: For the record, that wasn't one of our phones. I think that was the phone in the soundbite. Um, but so, Richard, you just heard from Chuck Schumer laying the case that you were making here. But... He's still saying that the $2.5 billion is going to get approved, right? Uh, yeah, I think it will get approved. So those two things, I just want to stress this, those two things are true.
2: Yes, I think the 2 will probably fly through Congress when they're back in session, number one, and I think number two... And more importantly, this is not only from Chuck Schumer. You're also hearing it from Louisiana Republican Joe Kennedy, who in a hearing yeah. sort of went in on Trump administration officials on saying, what is the plan? What is the solution? This- because his
1: state's going to get whacked by yeah, it. Yes, so
2: he's not the only state in Alabama yeah. where some of, there's 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 some folks who have the virus who are in Alabama will be quarantined there. So there's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of misinformation. There's not enough guidance coming from the White House, which is why elected leaders all across this country are sort of looking for leadership. And right now they don't have any.
1: So President Trump was asked today at a press conference in India and he said that that the uh, that the United States is in a quote very good shape on the coronavirus
2: I, I, I mean, don't know what that means
1: I'm struck <laughs> that they haven't named azar officially named azar or that there doesn't seem to be a stream and we've been calling on this meaning asking the question not calling on it we've been asking this question for the past couple months why is there one singular face from the administration as it relates to who is the point person
2: quickly well I think that's quickly that's part of the problem I think the other part is you know you have one of your officials tweeting that he can't use the map that John Hopkins provided Ken Cuccinelli and I think this once again speaks to the lack of leadership from this White House um, which is why the markets are doing the reacting the way they react they're reacting because of the supply chain and that's what the president's more concerned with the markets and not the american people all
1: right that's your perspective i just want to balance it out coming up we're going to ask what's on the panel's radar we talked about the economics and the politics of this so we got through it all i'm kevin cirilli <laughs> live from charleston south carolina you're listening to bloomberg
0: 99.1 this is sound on with kevin cirilli live from the democratic presidential debate in charleston south carolina on bloomberg radio
1: I'm Kevin Cerilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and we are live in Charleston, South Carolina, the beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. You can catch the full Democratic presidential debate by listening to it right here on Bloomberg Radio. We're going to kick off special coverage at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and we're inside of the spin room floor in downtown Charleston where CBS News has converted a downtown ballroom into convention hall, into a spin room, and we will do the same for after the debate as well, So you can catch all of that. It's such a crucial debate for all of the candidates. And this is really one of the final times that the candidates have their opportunities to move the polls and to make their pitch to voters ahead of the crucial South Carolina primary this weekend and on Super Tuesday. I'm joined by Richard Fowler, a Democratic insider, and Adam Green, hello, hello. progressive insider. It's time now for my favorite part of the program. But I actually did want to give you, Adam, a chance because we got we ran, the clock ran out earlier about a point that you were going to make on the politics of the coronavirus and how it might play out on the stage tonight. So go ahead.
3: Sure. 30,000 foot view. You know, a lot of people won't be following the bonds and the yields and the wonky stuff. I think they will be looking for who looks presidential on the stage tonight. Elizabeth Warren today was like, we need an adult in the room, right? We need to actually treat this like the, the crisis it is. And she had a whole tweet storm about what she would do as president. And it's a golden opportunity for someone to not just look like a candidate not just like a senator, but look like a future president. And I think that's what,
2: you know, she will rise to that occasion. Uh, Let me just say this. I think all of our candidates uh, on the debate stage will look more presidential and will have a better plan than the one that that could develop a better plan than the one that we currently see in place, which is no plan.
1: Okay, but I will be frank and push back because I don't want to, you know, whenever I come to these Democratic debates, I mean, I I know we have Republicans who listen to this. And uh, when I talk to my Republican sources, they are feeling quite confident about their chances in November.
2: uh, listen, I uh, and listen. I would give the president good economic marks. I get that, but look at where we are now. One, the, his economic, the the Trump economy is can can be taken off by one fragile thing. Now this coronavirus is happening, and the market is tanking.
1: Not tank. I mean, I, I just have to be. This is where my Bloombergian mind. I'm like, we got it. They're not. I wouldn't say tank.
2: It's dipping. I
1: would say dipping.
2: Okay, <laughs> It's been a I number. Listen.
1: People are in How their many cars. Days? They're on their way home from work. I don't want to cause any accidents on the road. We've had Stay like a six or five course. or six. Okay, day now dip. it's time for my favorite part <laughs> of the program, which is what is your quick oh, take on your radar? Adam, all right. I am looking for the actual real-world impact of tonight's
3: debate on the next state yeah. and the next number of states. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Elizabeth Warren actually had kind of a, a lag on her last success, where most of the vote was in by the time the debate happened. And in you know when we were able to see early voting versus day of voting, she often jumped from things like 10 to 30, 10 to 35 points. Um, Amy Klobuchar clearly had a good night in New Hampshire, and she got a multi-digit, um, you know, a double-digit bump from that. If Elizabeth Warren does well tonight, it will be the first time that a candidate has two knockout punches in two debates in a row. We've had other people have sugar highs, moments in the sun, but it would be stunning to have two knockout punches going to Super Tuesday. How is she preparing? Well, the same way she did last time. You know, she is very dedicated to speaking her truth. And, you know, a
2: couple debates ago, moderators prepared. I saw her and her husband walking home from dinner. On my way over here. <laughs> this is no, this is just probably
1: having shrimp and grits like the rest of us. <laughs> like that is, I'm, this is everyone's well fed in, uh, in South Carolina. No, but seriously, <laughs> what'd she do differently?
3: Well, I would actually say there's more of a difference between New Hampshire and Vegas than Vegas. And I mean, if she has an exact repeat of Vegas, she's in great shape, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. What she did differently between New Hampshire and yeah, Vegas was, I mean. yeah. you know, mentally prepare to not let moderators choose her fate. If there's a question that is on one of her core issues and it only goes to Klobuchar and Steyer, like she needs to jump in there and say, listen, I have something to say about that. One thing that was interesting about the last debate was there were very few questions posed to her because she spent so much time getting in proactively and framing the next 10 minutes of discussion, then eventually there would be another topic, and she'd frame it again, and people would be responding to her. At one point, Chuck Todd was like, "Let me just try to recollect the order that she addressed to other candidates, and then
2: call on them yeah. to address Elizabeth Warren's question." So that was a good tactic for her, right. and I think. That so was So that's what
1: your quick take is. That's what's on your radar. Tonight's debate is going to be your, about two you. people.
2: The night's debate is going to be out of uh, Bernie and Bloomberg. Both of those are going to be. You don't the,
1: think it's going to be about Biden?
2: Well, no, and I, let, me, let me explain why. Right. In context, right? Because I think every candidate is going to be looking to take some to take some hits on on, on Bernie, and I think candidates going to be looking take hits on Bloomberg again. Uh, Yeah, I think more so Bernie this time than Bloomberg. And I think for Biden, all he has to do in this debate is show that he is a true leader and stay above the fray.
1: So you think it's being set up as a good night for Biden? I do believe the storm. So. If you're looking at the, the storm forecast, Because if he
2: could show in a moment like this, I think where I think um, Adam is right. Right. Uh, and like I said, I'm undecided here. But for, if you're know. If, uh, if you're if you're a South Carolina voter and you're figuring out how to make a decision tonight, knowing everything that's happening on going on around you, if Biden can stay above the fray and actually look presidential while all the other candidates are sort of going in on this Bernie pylon, it could be a good night for him.
3: It could. It could. There's above the fray and then there's absent. One thing that I heard last, I agree last time that there's a was that Joe Biden was almost a non-entity. And if he's getting punched, I mean, I've been saying recently, like, there's no such thing as treading water in this debate. You either no. sink or swim. Joe Biden, if he's getting punched, you know, he he's needs to punch, punch back. back. If he's getting ignored, he has to get in. He can't just be, oh, I'm presidential. Because I just saying pl-
2: he shouldn't engage in the pile and talk about. Yeah. And he has a moment here, especially given where we are in the headlines, given the fact that we spent almost two segments talking about the coronavirus to talk about how he's a leader. Talk about I have experience working in the White House. I have experience on how to deal with pandemics like this. I've done it before. I can do it again. If he can, if he can hold that position tonight, it could be a good night for him. You
1: know what? I think this isn't what's on my radar, <laughs> but I guarantee you, after the the battle that was in vegas you're going to have one of those candidates try to overplay their hand as being can't we just all sing kumbaya uh-huh. you know what i mean Probably. and i always cringe when i watch the debates and i see that the question I'm like, is like come on you guys can't stand each other you're trying to be commander in chief you're trying to be the president and that's why last week's debate was so riveting because it felt so authentic it was authentic it felt so true it finally what we all report on what the conversations that I have with their staffs what you, the, the conversations that you have with your colleagues, they can't stand each other. <laughs> and so maybe they respect each other, but they really don't a lot of them don't like each other. and so that that was real. that was real And
3: you know beyond not liking each other, liking each other's policies no, so, yeah, you know, there's, true. there's some talk about democratic and unity. this is years in the making what, too. What we saw in the last debate was that Democrats could unite around Elizabeth Warren the Fighter as she was calling out, you know, Bloomberg's bad actions on Wall Street and gender and race. You know, th- fighting and unity are actually hand in hand. You know, I think what we want to see is um, a Democratic candidate who will throw punches at Trump and land them on economics and but race and gender. they all don't like Trump. That's but, why well, you know what I mean? That's why, that's, but they don't. But, but that's why last debate was a proxy, right? Blue, the brilliance of Elizabeth Warren's opening, where she said a quote and said that wasn't from tr- Trump, that was from Bloomberg, was she set him up as a proxy on that debate stage for Trump? And it was for many people at home like, oh, that's what she would do if she was on the debate stage with Trump. She would crush him. So I think that that's you know people could un- unify around that.
1: All right, I'm I'm still I'm still following the coronavirus, and I just want to give the the, the update. This is what's on my radar. Uh, the U.S. from the Bloomberg terminal, and truthfully. You can keep up with all of the latest data on the coronavirus and the market impact up on the, on daybreak, because the U.S. has far fewer proactive protective masks than it would need in the event of a major outbreak. This, according to Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, that's what he said to Congress. There are about 30 million stockpiled N95 masks, those masks that you need to protect yourselves, but as many as 300 million would be needed for health workers in an outbreak. So. Azar's sounding the the mask alarm bell. Uh, And then meanwhile, the number of infections is climbing in the Middle East. Iran reported 34 new cases, and Italy claimed its 10th casualty, with 322 confirmed cases nationwide. So keeping careful tabs on the coronavirus, again, uh, we will be up to speed on that every day. Uh, as we get the latest developments. Thanks to Richard Fowler, nationally syndicated radio show host and Fox News contributor, and Adam Green, co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Just as a disclaimer, Michael Bloomberg, who's seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And be sure to listen tonight. Our special coverage on Bloomberg Radio kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Live from Charleston, South Carolina, ahead of the Democratic presidential debate, my name is Kevin Cirilli, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.